I'm gay. Cat. And I'm gay. Cat. <laughs> and we're the, the ghouls next, next door. door. Yeah, that's weird. I'm cat. Yes. Who are you? <laughs> I'm gay. They Excellent. Well, we said it at the same time. Yeah, it was for fun. I get it. I'm just saying, in case they forgot. Okay. Who was hosting the show, and they were like, oh my god, they sp- they spoke at the same time. I all know. Maybe it's one person. Maybe we are one. Yeah. I bet you're wondering, wow, this is weird. I'm getting the ghouls again. Heartache, heartache. Didn't I just hear them? No problem. Why am I listening again? Love is a battlefield. Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we listening to me again? I don't know. Why? Tell our listeners. Um, so if you don't remember, or maybe you don't because I took it out. <laughs> we did not love the film Midsummer. Yeah. It is a problematic time. Problematic in a lot of ways. In that we ended up talking about it with more than one of our guests because they were like, oh my God, I also have stuff to say about this. Yes. Like we're talking about mental health and mental illness. Bad things to say about Midsummer. Yeah. We're talking about disabilities. Bad things to say about Midsummer. Yeah. Gabe and I are outside and talking to people we know. Bad things to say about Midsummer. <laughs> so, lots of people liked it. And they had reasons. And we don't agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much is that we had plan to cover Midsummer in our mental illness episode that came out earlier this week with Marina. And we did. <laughs> um, it just turned out to be a much longer piece than would have been warranted for our episodes because we stick to an hour. Yeah, it would have been like, let's talk about mental illnesses, representation and horror, and then just all Midsummer. Mm-hmm. And then like, it would just been like, you would have been sitting there for like two hours, friends. Yeah, it was so pretty just- long. Took it out. We plucked it out. Yeah, so we took it out, and it's going to be here now. So instead, what you're about to listen to is our part with Marina. So we're we're welcoming Marina back. Hi, to, Marina. Hi. Uh, and having her talk to, you know, we talked to her about some of the issues that we had with the film. Now, I totally understand that people dig it, right? Like, people yeah. are like, this is art, and it's horror in the daytime, and Ari Aster can do no wrong. And he gets awards because they use color. I mean, okay, so there's... Things can still be artistically interesting and be problematic at the same time. You can shoot something in a beautiful way and have everything you're doing in it and saying in it be really not cool. Yeah. For, like, how it was filmed, Mm -hmm. it was shot well. That's true. (laughs) But that's not the whole thing. Like, the one thing does not excuse the other thing. It is not alone in its existence. Yeah. If it was, like, let's shoot a silent film and take all the bad stuff out and just have lights and colors and here we are, then yes. Yeah. I'm there. No old people die? For it. Yeah. No bad representations of things? For it. Yeah, I think what... um so for for context for the film Midsummer, something that's we should keep in mind is that he had been greenlit for Midsummer while he was editing Hereditary. Yeah, that's real quick. Yeah, Hereditary was like a while ago. Yeah, and then he like right after the premiere of Hereditary, got on a plane and went to shoot Midsummer. 
So yeah. there was like no real pausing. It was just like he is flying on the the success of Hereditary, which is a good film. And there are things about Hereditary, just in the sense of like a horror film, that is really interesting. Yeah. And there's some really tra- traumatic things in there um, that to some degree made sense it is you know gratuitous as some horror is um but it made it memorable and there were even some themes in there that i'm I'm not sure he 100 percent has the rights to tell but um i would love to hear what people who might have like postpartum depression or people who have family that has a history of mental illness like feel there was some articles about hereditary specifically in that it is a representation of like the fear that you have that you might have inherited mm-hmm. those illnesses from like yeah. your family. And that's a very real fear. Yeah. And so I think it, when you look at it from that lens that it, he did a good job because it, with hereditary, he was being intentional and it was about the mental illness and yeah. it was about like the people. And then, you know, it takes a, a hard left to like cults and weird satanism and stuff which is like fun right um i thought it was it was a fun ride and there's some like parallels and really good imagery and then we have something like midsummer where there are some things that we didn't like even just outside of like the mental illness factor right so uh, again this is also spoilers Spoilers (laughs) like we're just gonna say and if you haven't seen it you should you know listen to us (laughs) Um, and maybe not watch it. I don't know. Uh, I feel like you would have watched it by now. If you had a lot of time. I don't know. It was just, so as, as you'll hear our other guest, Pascal, I'll talk about, it was just like, it was a movie that just made you uncomfortable the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it's like for horror, you know, that does have its advantages. You know, it's really playing upon something really intentional in that, like you want the person to feel uncomfortable the tools used to create that uncomfortability is what really, like, just was not cool for me. Yeah. Like, for just, like, the entire time. Like, there was not a point where I was, like, I'm upset in a, like, I'm scared kind of way and not upset on a personal or, yeah. like, foundational level while also being scared. Yeah. Like, I, it was and a kind of uncomfortableness that, like, I thought was cheap. Yeah. In that it was, like, very, like, manipulative of things. So don't kill old people, but also, like, don't do all the other things. And it was just, like, yeah, it was just uncomfortable the whole time and not in, like, the fun way. Yeah, yeah it is, like, it, it definitely plays on being an uncomfortable film. And I think that's, like, I think for people who are seasoned, like, horror enthusiasts like ourselves and we're not, you know, in awe of things, like, the way that some other people might be, because yeah. we look at things, right? So I think with that, you know, take it. But even just as a horror film, like, it isn't very good. Like, it's a slasher film where any of the slashing happens off screen, more or less, um, except for, like, two volunteer deaths. It really, really plays heavily on a lot of general horror tropes, which mm-hmm. we talk about with Pascal. It just kind of, like, re <laughs> like generates them. Yeah. And it would, like... Nothing was surprising. I wasn't surprised. Like, the only thing that surprised me was the end, and only because it wasn't so much a surprise as I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, with her character. Yeah. yeah. Like, it makes, I get it, and I definitely was expect. I was like, she's going to do this very cliche thing, and then yeah. she did, and then I was still like, I hate that you made her do the cliche thing, because that doesn't make sense to me as her character, which we'll kind yeah. of dive into. 
But nothing is really that shocking. Like, we've watched <laughs> Tusk. No, don't even say it. No one needs to see it. It's so upsetting. Yeah, if you like, not in the same way. No, some weird. Like Tusk is an upsetting movie that I. No, I don't think anyone should see just because you can't ever unsee it. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's kind of a big thing too, right? It's like, it's it. None of that stuff was really that shocking to me. It's mm-hmm. like we've seen brutal things happen to the body before, so that didn't shock me. It was like, I guess that was artistic to it, but I've seen Hannibal, the TV show, which is beautiful. And even as a vegetarian, I've seen Hannibal cook up some really delicious-looking and beautiful human meals. And I was like, wow, this is great. Even besides that, there's that whole killer who made the person into the instrument. There's some really cool, intricate things that happen yeah. that are both cinematically beautiful and terrifyingly grotesque. Uh, I do not feel that Midsummer really does that. But, yeah, there's a lot of problems which we're going to dive in today, and we just felt like because it's such a popular film, we didn't want to give it just 30 minutes or just, like, a, a quick spot about a very specific issue because there's a few in there, and I feel like people are going to – I mean, you're definitely welcome to email us yeah. uh, to let us know your feelings. But I know that there's people out there who are diehard fans for a multitude of reasons, and we've read them, and we hear them <laughs> – but we just do not agree. I've tried. I really have. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's like a very mature adult thing of us and a mature adult thing of them to have two different opinions and understand those opinions, but yeah. not a, not change just to agree to yeah. fit the popular norm. Because like, I remember you and I were talking and we we're like nervous mm-hmm. about talking bad about Midsummer because everyone we saw like on the internet was like, yeah, Midsummer, no, 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 and like. I so viscerally did not like it that I was like, what? And like, you were like, are we wrong? Yeah. Should we not even do this episode? Because like, what if we're wrong? And people got like upset. And it was like, and then we started to meet people who agreed with us. Yeah. And then we felt validated yeah, really <laughs> in cool. our shared trauma of this film. And, and for the same reasons, right? Like, I think yeah. that's what you're going to find in this is that it's kind of weird because we've already recorded these and now we're like talking about them in the future. It's weird. But uh, it was really, really interesting to pick the mind. So Marina did not see uh, Midsummer, but we explained what we saw, and then she interpreted it, right? Um, I welcome yeah. Marina to watch it because I think it would be cool to hear yeah, what she, she has she to wanted say. To, just to, like, see what we what were, we were saying. And but, see if yeah. it was as bad as we were thinking it was. And she trusted that it was, but wanted to see. Yeah, and I and she's very good about being like, I have not seen this, but based on the information I'm given, this is what I can interpret. Um, Pascal has seen um, Pascal is our, our guest for next week, so if you like her chiming voice and what her great brain has to say, then tune in next week to hear more on disability and horror, because she's covering that, and she's amazing at it. Yeah, um, it's such a great episode. We're very excited about it. And I think, like, but Pascal had seen it, and she was touching on a lot, like, pretty much all of the same things that we had. And um, it was kind of nice. <laughs> To like yeah. to to hear someone else being like, yeah, and this, and did you think about this? And so I think there's a few communities that are being um, used as tools and taken advantage of in this film, and for people, and just like also just as a horror enthusiast, like even if I'm watching passively, which is very hard for me to do because it starts on such a bad bad foot. Yeah. Um, even I if I pretend that even didn't happen differently, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have felt so viscerally about it. But it really it lit 
the land, like, I guess, like, the alarm in my yeah. brain was like, it was red oh, flag for sure. now I need to look for everything that's wrong because yeah. this upset me. And yeah, yeah, it's hard to turn that off after it's started. Yeah. I think even if I didn't, and I just, like, if you told me like, oh, her family died from a car accident and then we continued on, I would have been like, wow, this is a bad movie. Like everything is so obvious. Every person sucks. Like I, like I knew everything that was gonna happen, and it was like, it wasn't funny, and it wasn't like interesting either. Like the whole, I felt really kind of bored most of the time. I was like, most of the time, I was like, why, why are we? What is? I don't care about any of this. What is happening? It looked nice. Yes. Yeah. And like that part was cool. It was filmed very well. And it was, there were the things that were different that were interesting. There were a few things that were interesting and those things were done well, but it just should have existed differently. Yeah. I think like, uh, whenever Danny is on drugs, that's cool. Yeah. That was a really interesting part. I like the collective empathy. I think the cult aspect is interesting. Um, and it's kind of like, I guess his niche that he enjoys. I just didn't really buy it as a cult as someone who is honestly fascinated by cults. Um, it was like, it felt like what someone imagines a cult is like, not so much as what a cult actually is. Which is fine as well. Like, the one from Hereditary is definitely a fake cult. Like, that's not a real thing. That's, like, you know, Lovecraftian, like, silly, like, Innsmouth magic kind of thing, you know? Um, It's, like, you know, satanic panic type feelings. Uh, And this was, like, you know, (laughs) there's creepy white people in mountains, which is, like, yeah, of course there is. Um, But, uh, yeah, I guess nothing just really, like, nothing really shocked me. And I felt kind of disappointed in that, especially coming from something like Hereditary, where I was very, very like, still shocked. I'm still, like, recovering. Yeah, Hereditary was very scary for me. And I remember being, like, I still vividly remember. But then I also, it was so funny, like, when we left the theater after seeing Midsummer, And I remember, like, turning to you so scared. Yeah. You were going to tell me you liked it. Oh, in midsummer. I was so scared. I remember like walking out and like we didn't say anything mm-hmm. for like until we were outside. Yeah. We were silent. Yeah. We had to mull over like, that. We did not say anything. We walked for like five minutes till the point where like we were going to take the phone out to call the Uber. Yeah. And then I looked at you terrified like, oh my gosh. What if she says she likes it? I hated it so much. Like, I really just was so not happy and so uncomfortable. I wanted to leave within the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, I was so nervous. And then you're like, that was really not good. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was immediately no filter. <laughs> uh, that was trash, and I am very angry. <laughs> it made me very, like, one scene. Yeah. Heard. Oh. And also that, like, <laughs> we both, like, understand what's going on it's like it's horror but it's it's a weird horror it's also like trying to like psychological thriller kind of thing going on too yeah. and that like it's stressful yeah yeah in like the dullest of ways <laughs> i was very like the only time i was stressed was when i can't remember their names right now but the the one couple and the guy was like your boyfriend left without you and it was like that would never happen and that moment was stressful for me because i was like that is a real panic that i have like i have (laughs) 
like a fear that people are just going to leave. And then what do I do? Especially being stuck in that kind of situation. So, like, yeah, no, that definitely hit me different too. And it's like a lot of it, I wasn't shocked that it was happening. Mm-hmm. It was more so I didn't want it to be happening and I didn't want to see it. Yeah. Like, I agree. I was not shocked at any point, but I was like, I don't want this. Yeah. I want this to stop the entire time. I was just like, oh, I know these old people are going to jump off of this thing, and I just don't want to experience witnessing this. Yeah. I don't want it. Like, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the people went missing. And I was like, I know we're going to. No, we're going to see them, and I don't want to. Like, I don't yeah. want to see it. I know it's going to be bad. You see all the women naked in the thing, and you know what you're going to see, and I didn't want to see it, and I had yeah. to see it over and over, because it's, like, three hours long, and it was just, like, the entire thing is something I, like, as I was watching it, knew it was going to happen, didn't want to witness that, because I knew it would upset me, slash just make me really uncomfortable for what? Yeah. Like, it's not even enjoyable uncomfortability. It's just, like, uncomfortable, and... So, like, for context, because I don't know if we cover this, we'll see. Um, There is a couple, and they are very uncomfortable about what they just saw. And they very reasonably freak out. And we're not, you know, told about what was going on. And so then they want to leave. And then the boyfriend goes to, like, figure it out. And then the the guy who lives there comes back and he's like, your boyfriend left in a truck and he's just gone and they're going to come back to get you. And it's like, in no way would that ever happen. And even Danny is like, wait, that's the main character. Why would he do that? She's like, that doesn't make any sense. And they just kind of brush it off. And it's just like, are none of these people are like real. Like, I don't understand why Josh Chidi's character reacted and interacted with the world. We call him cheaty. Because that's real, I know, but I don't know what it is, life. and I just see him as cheaty. So yeah, he was really great. In the <laughs> so that's what I see him as. Fell in love with him as cheaty. Absolutely. So that's what he is to me in my heart. And so he, his character just seemed bizarre to me. Like, why would he do that? I did. I did enjoy that he was the one who would like never pull his punches, and like told. Um, uh, what was his name? Christian? Christian, what was, like, the truth? Like, he didn't hold back the way everyone else did. He told him exactly what what it was. He was like, oh, yeah, you are stealing this. Yeah. You want attention. You do nothing because you're just a white boy who's been handed everything in their life. Like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, I guess just to, uh, f- to keep listening. Uh, so, we're going to dive into Marina, and then we'll follow that up with Pascal, and then we'll give you our last Last feelings. We're talking films. Uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna start with our. Uh, what do we do? Like a good, the bad, the ugly. This is a bad and ugly. And <laughs> it's because it's actually compiled. I I did when I was like researching. It kind of became both. So we were talking about Midsummer um, from this year, two thousand nineteen, uh, directed by Ari Aster, who also did um, Hereditary. So that's kind of why I'm saying it's like the. The bad and the ugly. <laughs> also, get ready because we're probably going to do a lot of spoilers. And yes. Just like know that. So if you want it, I mean, I still don't recommend Midsummer to anybody. Like, don't <laughs> yeah. go see it because it's just ugh, don't give it money. It just it makes me mad. It's disappointing. If you Aww. like it, I don't know. 
maybe you'll change your mind after you see it. After you listen to us, maybe you'll change your mind. But spoilers galore. Yeah. Full disclosure. And then for all you people who out there who is like, that looked interesting, um, but I'm afraid of horror movies, we'll just settle in because we'll just tell you about it and then you don't have to go. That's what I need. Yeah. I get scared so easily. (laughs) And I was hearing from people who saw Midsummer, and I I heard why they were satisfied by it. So I'm curious to hear from other folks. I I will say this in the defense of Midsummer, We have watched many videos and read many articles in an attempt to like it. (laughs) <laughs> really, yeah, like, honest you've done God. your due diligence. <laughs> we tried very hard. All the check boxes. Because <laughs> we left and everyone was like, huh, Midsummer," And we're just like, I don't... I don't well, we were so upset. Did they see the same movie that we saw? Yeah, we were I like... I was so sad. <laughs> like, the whole like, time. So wow, disappointed. Okay. And then, like, we read all these things and we're like, everyone loves it. Are we wrong? And then I just don't think we are. I, I think it's so. just people... Trust your gut. ...are interpreting, interpreting it differently. Yes. And... Well, because we've learned in this uh, adventure into this podcast Mm -hmm. that not many people put on their media analysis classes before they go Mm -hmm. in. And they're just in there for the ride, which is fine. You can totally do that. If you are in there for the ride, Midsummer is something, right? It is. There's there's crazy. There's stuff and there's emotions and cheese in it. So it's like worth it, kind of. But it's also like nearly three hours long. So that's that's our like preface for what we're about to dive into is that we really, really tried. We did enjoy hereditary when we watched it just from like a standard just like it's a scary movie time we enjoyed it Mm -hmm. i was spooked it was a fun time i loved like all the easter eggs there were things in there that were subtle and not so subtle that i thought were phenomenal Mm -hmm. things that stuck with me forever so if you haven't watched hereditary i do recommend watching that because i think it is a good spook um but spoilers abound like they're happening so let's tell you guys what midsummer's about a couple travels to sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly dissolve, devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Thanks, IMDb. Yes. So <laughs> the, I would say it's not just a couple. It's a group of friends plus a girl because she's not their friend. Um, and the the first... The beginning of this film, well, it does a whole artsy thing where it's trying to be Lars von Trier with like art. And it was, <laughs> it was, was Ari Aster's version. It was an A24 version of, oh boy. of Lars von Trier's art. Interesting. So I'll just put that there. That's like the, the, Interesting. the shade that I can give it as a filmmaker and a film critic. But it, it right from the beginning. So I would say that the problem with this film that already put me off on a a wrong foot was immediately in the beginning they did it wrong they messed up right Mm -hmm. in the beginning Mm -hmm. to the point where like for the rest of the film i was still so upset from what i like not because of what i saw because i can see pretty much anything Mm -hmm. and be unaffected it was the context that i was like no it's unforgivable like i can't sit here and let you run around with these ideas and these thoughts and these feelings on screen after you just did that to us, like into to people. Like, so it starts out where we have Danny, who is um, our protagonist, who is um, played by Florence Pug, Pug, Poe. I can't, I'm sorry. I can't remember how to spell it. Her, Pudge pronounce. Wife. <laughs> pronounce it. I'm so sorry. Florence. She's a great actress. Phenomenal. She, oh, she did a great was job. In here. She was the best part of this whole film. Um, and she is worried, totally reasonably, about her sister, who we are told has bipolar disorder. 
Yep, right at the top. Here we are. Cool. So she's worried because she's received an email and where her sister says that everything's really dark, uh, that she's taking mom and dad with her and essentially is like, bye. Right. And so she's so Danny, again, rightfully so, is freaking out. She calls her boyfriend, who's a jerk and is just like, she always does this. <sighs> Such a cliche. I broke up with her weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. My needy girlfriend who has reasonable expectations for what a relationship should be. Yes. In that it is double-sided yeah. in that you return the emotions that you give and should care about people. Yeah. Especially someone who you've been dating for years. Yes. So the horror is also their relationship. Yes. Is what I'm yes. understanding. So the, the, so the interviews with Ari Aster is that he wrote this film after a bad breakup. No. Or based on a bad breakup. <laughs> so this entire film and what we're about to tell you happens in this film is to represent... And are you these things, these situations are used as tools to describe a bad relationship, which was broken. You. No, I understand. <laughs> so I just to set the tone. Right. So here we go. Uh, Danny is freaked out. Rightfully so. Eventually we get a call. She gets a call and then we are put into the to the home of her sister, Terry and the parents. She has in a very. Elaborate. peculiar and elaborate way mm. uh rig the house to have carbon monoxide poisoning where she put like a pipe to the trunk of a or to the the back tail of a Hose? car whatever Hose it's called car yes into the house Muffler. she's taped up all the doors and then like taped up where her mother wow. and father were a lot sleeping. of initiative mm-hmm. for so they this would, person who has bipolar yes cool. who's clearly just at, yeah. like evil right like yep. there's no like so she kills her parents while they sleep for some reason sure. and then has rigged her like spoilers i already warned you <laughs> rigged the pipe to like and taped it around her face so that it would just directly get into her face essentially like just immediately she's dead and it was grotesque right sure. over the top immediately and i was just like no <laughs> i was like no i was like so close to just be like we have to go we have to leave this film because i can't sit here and allow you to say this girl was bipolar of course she killed her parents and herself yeah in, in just this was, very elaborate crazy way it was just very very rude <laughs> yes um and this like this is why people don't tell other people that they have bipolar disorders because you just mark oh, them as murderers all the time. My family now? You're just a regular person who is like stress sometimes. Yes. And has to like go to therapy occasionally and take medicine. You don't murder people right off the bat. It's not like you're just like, I woke up today feeling kind of crazy. Yeah. I'm gonna really elaborately murder my family and myself. Yeah. We're like Maybe you'll have some suicidal thoughts, but you're not. You don't take other yeah. people with you like that. And it, and it and it's immediately followed by, uh, again, Florence did an amazing job acting. She does, her character, Danny, completely has a meltdown. And she has this, like, inhuman, uh, like, Guttural? visceral, yeah. like, scream that mm. you only do when you've lost someone right? yeah when you've lost your entire family yeah. right and it's something like if if you are someone who has lost someone that you love and care about 
that sound was like it hits you and you're like yeah this is not fair like yeah. this is not fair that there's not not even 10, 10 15 minutes in this film that you have abused a mental illness uh murder these people as a plot device as yeah. a macguffin and then have hmm. this woman just gutturally dying on screen only to be followed up by like her terrible boyfriend being like i guess i gotta take her on this trip with my friends which i never told her about because i hated her and i wanted to leave because she's too needy and then it, it you can see how it impacted her because she thinks she's too needy that was also a trigger for me as someone who has anxiety and always feels like they're too much to so see her <laughs> being like talking to her friend like you know i always put too much on him i'm too annoyed like it's not his job blah 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 it's like okay one you shouldn't have one person that you put all your stuff on right like you shouldn't just be going to your yeah. friends all the time like here's all my stuff right and it is told that she has a therapist so oh. she is getting help she, she has medication yeah she just also wants to confide in the person that she loves supposedly that needy fool <laughs> yes how dare yeah. her <laughs> i was just i was just like i think I, just to remember correctly so with bipolar there are to your point cat like sure there are sort of suicidal ideation thoughts that go with it or typically go with it because it's all on a spectrum and everyone's experience yeah. of it well, is Because there's unique. a bunch of different kinds of levels yeah. to bipolar. Yeah. Which way you land. And though, and like the, 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 the moments when someone is of a danger to themselves or others are part of sort of a category of behavior called a mania, which does not last long enough to execute the type of scene you were describing, <laughs> yes. first of all. So just Sneakily. in first in like the reality checked fact interjection of trying to like, as we're looking at these not terrible examples of how mental health is treated in horror, um, just factually inaccurate. Yes. <laughs> just completely factually inaccurate. Um, and yeah, just mania does not last long enough to to have that elaborate of a plan executed um and also and and also just again further fact check um there's this thing called um aces adverse childhood experiences and trauma-informed care yeah trauma-informed <laughs> care so um i don't recommend taking the ace assessment on your own, like do it with yeah. a buddy, do it with a doctor, whatever. But there is an ACE assessment where basically there's a set of experiences that one might have before the age of 18. And for each of those experiences, you get a point. And if you have a point of four or more, you are a higher candidate risk for certain long-term health outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so living with a parent or a family member with an acute mental health issue is one of those things you would get a point for. So like not to say that she is a harm to her family because she has bipolar. It is simply a data point of yeah. potential future risk factors if they aren't addressed and if they aren't balanced out by other protective factors. That's the other thing to remember about a diagnosis beyond it being culturally specific is that like a broken arm, your brain can heal. There's mm -hmm. medication, there's therapy um, that just literally one of the protective factors is simply knowing that it exists and having the language to talk about it. And yeah. so those things make us resilient and protected from the potential harm of living with someone with an unaddressed mental health issue. So just want to throw that out there. No, that's that like, awesome. not to not to, like, I don't want to, 
I don't want to talk in extremes and sort of say like, yeah, this person has a mental health issue and like everything is fine. Like, Mm -hmm. or this person has a mental health issue. And so like they are a threat to society. Like it's neither of those is entirely accurate. And so I just wanted to like frame that with those pieces of information. Beautifully done. What I guess what also frustrates me about the opening of the movie is that like, it seems like she was very aware of the illness that she mm-hmm. had. Everyone else was supporting her and trying to get, like, the sister, mm-hmm. trying to get her through it. They're on call. She has met, like, you know, it's just, it seemed yeah. like there were protective factors in place that would also further suggest that the outcome that happened would not be yeah. accurate. It sounds like they were conflating it sort of with, like, habits of addiction. And kind of, like, falling off the wagon as opposed to, like... It definitely seemed like, you know, she had been living and was, you know, understanding and accepting of her sister who had bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. And so to her, it was like, oh, she is, you know, it is another one of, you know, her moments where we... Like, I have to be on call. I have to be paying attention. Mm -hmm. And he was very much just like, oh, she's just... She's doing it for attention. Was, Mm -hmm. like, one of the... Like, he's... (laughs) She's just... You know, she always does this. X, Y, and Z. Like, all the cliches. like, mental health concerns can be lifelong. What? Mm -hmm. Ongoing? Yeah, that you actively have to work on them. What? Well, I think... (laughs) She always does this. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You are not She will be always doing this. And I love her, so I'm gonna help. Yeah. Yeah. What is the alternative? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you just leave her out to dry? Like, even even with a drug addiction, it's like, you're not like, oh, well, screw them now. Like, that's not how that works either. This for everyone's a lot thinks that that's a lot. And he was a nothing person. So, and I think it was on purpose. (laughs) Yes, he he was. So I think it was on purpose that he was made out to be that bad. So Mm -hmm. we have Danny, who is clearly the protagonist, and she goes on to this trip. They go um, to Sweden, and it's bright and colorful, and that's what people really remark on in, in regards to the horror aspect is that we don't have a lot of horror movies that are out in the daylight. Like, I can't even really think of a lot, right? Um, Except for Texas Chainsaw Massacre (laughs) and The Hills Have Eyes, which are really Mm. bright. But those are like desolate deserts, right? So Mm -hmm. it's because there's flowers and there's smiling white people. We're like, oh, it's all good. Um, And then people are, I guess, presumably supposed to be surprised when this is like essentially a cult. But it's just (laughs) like, have you ever, (laughs) have you watched a movie? And also, like, if anyone who isn't like, a white person walking into the audience isn't trusting that those white people with the crazy smiles. Yeah, no. Like it's already just dis- no, like it's in your life. You have been mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like There's a, a lot of, of your surroundings. Yeah. That mm-hmm. Influence apprehension <laughs> in yes. those situations. Mm-hmm. I will say the, so I, in our research, in our attempt to like this film, uh, <laughs> there was an, um, some discussion in some defense that people had where it was this idea that Danny, who has anxiety, right? So she's clearly like on this island alone, more or less. Like she has a therapist and that's clearly not enough. Got a she's, friend she, who she was She has supportive. one friend who was supportive. We didn't see, I don't know where she went. <laughs> uh, she had months and months where she was just like in this relationship past that because it was obligated at that point like he's not gonna break up with a girl who just lost her whole family kind of cliche but there's this idea that in this community uh she finds like she finds a community that can help her through that and that 
they understand it and that they live through it with her and embrace her. I don't know if I would say it is incredibly healthy at all, <laughs> like in the way that they do it. Um, but yeah, it there's was, like this uh, culty, like group empathy. Yes, that you see throughout mm, work. Yeah. When she cries, they all cry. Oh. And that's unsettling as well. Yeah. yeah. Which is the point. (laughs) Like when you think of cults and kind of how those communities prey on people, they prey on people who've experienced loss Mm -hmm. and like there is a, you know, our brains are triggered to feel euphoria when we're embraced by a group. And if she is alone and on an island, I there like it tracks mm-hmm. and also like is curious that like it's tapping into something else that's interesting. So like the cultural specificity of health and wellness. And, you know, you're saying she she um is seeing a therapist. And I think a lot of like, I don't know that therapy is the only way towards healing Mm -hmm. for everybody. Um, It is also a very Western convention. And I, I do think it's kind of interesting. Now, now you're like making me want to watch this movie, (laughs) even though you're also talking about how it's terrible, because um, I think there's a lot of folks now of European descent trying to figure out like a pre-Christian approach to spiritual well-being and mental health. There could be something to indigenous Nordic spiritual practices unconnected to this cult in this movie. (laughs) Um, And also just to point out that like folks have found health and wellness um, before the existence of therapy, as we Mm -hmm. understand it. Mm -hmm. So those things are pretty cool and part of healing, but that doesn't mean that things that are, an adaptation can't become maladaptive, <laughs> which is what it sounds like you're about to describe. Well, I think there's a part of it that like what I agreed with when I was looking in is that in this environment, right, she's found people who are accepting and don't look at her like she's another and mm-hmm. don't tell her that what she's feeling is wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she's finally able to be like, like to just scream and to just have her panic attack and for other people to be around her and being like, it's okay, let it out. We'll all let it out together. And so it's kind of like this this empowering moment for her to finally just be like, I am okay to mm. be this way, which was like, honestly, the only part where I was like, okay, I kind of feel yeah, that, that's the right? thing I liked yeah, about yeah. That's the only part I liked about <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. And it, but it, I mean, all the other stuff that's around it, like yeah. why she was like that, this cult is really messed up. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, what are they really, like, they're so manipulative that I don't even really right. like agree with them doing that like it, what if it get if it gets her to where she needs to be then fine um i just think their motives are a little on the right but that's a little like culty <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes and it, it it does result um again spoilers in uh the death of pretty much everyone but her but the boyfriend dies like she chooses the boyfriend to be killed because everyone else was already like dead whatever she chooses the boyfriend which felt out of character to me and i felt like screaming in a, a mm. cabin having a panic attack with a bunch of strangers isn't enough for her to all of a sudden change and be now like totally like, evil down enough to like let murder. them murder him like yeah. i don't think that was on par with who she was like letting enough. him go doesn't necessarily mean murdering murder. him. yeah <laughs> that just seems super out of pocket and just annihilation not, yeah which is not a healthy practice <laughs> yeah don't both do figuratively that. or literally an article that we got a lot of information from her just really helped me kind of like reveal the information that was in my heart uh was from mary beth mcandrews of polygon uh and there's a quote in there that i thought like really summed up kind of how both of these two people one who 
was there for a moment, but had an entirely intense impact on the entire film, which is Terry, the sister, and then Danny. So she says, however, the film has a complicated relationship with mental illness. Terry and Danny's diagnoses are different and treated very differently, too, <laughs> creating a hierarchy of mental illness in which easily oh, di diagnosable no. afflictions are made scary, while more nebulous struggles with anxiety and depression come off come across as less harmful. And that's kind of like where if it like, mm. why is Danny the redeemable one versus Terry, who is immediately disposed of, and she's the one who gets the disorder that we see. Mm. Like Danny was never specifically said. It was just, she's crazy. She's the crazy girlfriend. Mm -hmm. It was for us to interpret like, oh, she has anxiety. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. But that's never talked about. And is it because she's like, no one is... Ah, just so much. <laughs> yeah, I think what you're describing is the fact that, like, health in general tends to sort of, or I think if we think of the history of health, right, we think of diseases that are have visible symptoms, mm -hmm. a rash, a yeah. broken bone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Unarkable. when we, or, or like has an obvious physical manifestation, yeah. right? And then when we think of mental health diagnoses that are sensationalized or um, mis misunderstood, they have visible behaviors that mm -hmm. are like not, are obviously unhealthy or dangerous behaviors or harmful to the person or the people around them. Um, and then we have things that we can't see, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because honestly, the reason they started getting diagnosed is because like CAT scans got invented and now we can see them. We yeah. can see these things happening in people's brains. We can see harm that is done and healing that happens. Um, and I think what you're describing too is how powerful it is to be validated mm -hmm. when one is living with something that is invisible, supposedly. We know now, too, also not just because of CAT scans, but just in general, that healing from trauma requires community. Mm -hmm. and, and because there's so much shame attached to it, folks are either pushed away or isolate themselves. And so full healing can't always take place. So then you have the context you're describing, a cult, where this, <laughs> may, this is the first time this person has been validated for something that's so real and she's been told it's not real or she's crazy or it's been dismissed and minimized by someone who's supposed to care for her. That's another fun part, thing of trauma, sanctuary trauma, the place you're supposed to be safe. You don't feel safe. You, do, you aren't safe or the person you're supposed to feel safe with is the one who is the perpetrator. It's like a whole nother level of trauma bonding and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but it just... it further complicates and compounds the pain and the the hurt and like now we can see that what we thought was emotional hurt is also phys physiological hurt in a person's brain in their ability to trust yeah or to use it as a tool to explain yep. their heartbreak mm -hmm. someone broke up with them yeah or they should have broken up it was a bad relationship right yeah. which is like i guess sometimes you have a bad relationship with your mental illness. I'm trying to defend it in the best way I can. Um, and that's <laughs> explaining. I don't know. I guess maybe he found solace in a community and that's how he got through his trauma, which I don't know if I would equate to, yeah. you know, that, but I will say mm -hmm. something I've always <laughs> tried to teach myself is that um, there's, you know, different levels of sensitivity too. So, right. Like maybe based on the life that Ari Aster has had, his bad mm -hmm. relationship might equate those things to him because he hasn't experienced anything that's worse than that. Mm. So maybe that to him feels like the biggest thing in the world. 
It still doesn't give him a right to use it. Uh, but that's my defense. <laughs> that's what yeah. I got. And I think it's also hard because you can't like hold someone down who's famous and be like, tell me your history. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a right to say these things? And they're like, maybe. I, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, there's also that questionability of like, maybe he's been through some stuff and he's, this is his way of showing us. And he didn't want to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I had a bad breakup once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is why I used you know, uh, mental health as a way to You know when you have a bad them. breakup and you join a cult? <laughs> you well, I mean, many well, this is the movie for you. <laughs> you know what closure is? That. A burning pyramid full of your ex-boyfriend. I need to cut all negativity from my yeah. life. Literally. So oh, yeah, He doesn't love scary movies, I guess. So, <laughs> we're talking about um, Ari Aster's Midsummer uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, so, we talk about some of the mental illness things, but something I wanted to touch on is the character of Ruben, who is, um, he's supposed to be like the not a prophet. What is he? Just like an oracle yeah. of sorts. He's the only one who can write the book yeah. or something. The magical disabled person. Yes. Yeah. He is a magical disabled person. Um, and for our listeners, we are joined again <laughs> by Pascal. Uh, or we are joined ahead of time by Pascal because this is coming out before you guys are introduced to her. Um, so it's just a teaser of the voice you're going to hear um, in the brain. Uh, so uh, Ruben in this film is a character who is... Um, a product of inbreeding, right? So it's supposed it's it's has supposed to have this whole idea. Um, Ari Aster, in an interview with Forbes, has said about Ruben that he is a very important character. He's important more as a symbol, as an idea, than he is is than he is even a character. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful words, sorry. Beautiful what? words. Wow. Uh, it's, he's just like he's literally just like. <laughs> Ruben is eugenics. Right. <laughs> and, uh, here's ableism on screen for you. And it, and it's like, I think he feels like because he's aware of what he did, that that makes him exempt from what he, like, it, it's like, I did it to, to make a scene. It's like, no, but that's a problem, right? right. It's like you're making a scene. Right. So I guess I just want to pick your brain on how you felt about not just Ruben, but also just like all of Midsummer and what you're kind of problems it might be. Yeah, I mean, the way that Ruben was treated is nothing new in cinematography. Um, people with disabilities are often, you know, seen as objects of grotesque and objects of um, horror just in their being. Um, you know, dehumanizing them only serves to further make them be objects of horror. Um he has no lines, correct? No, he's just no there. No lines. Mm-hmm. He has like a, maybe one or two scenes. Um, yeah, they play just like really like whoa music and then right. just show his and face. And show his face, right. yes. Um, and so we're just supposed to like see his face and be horrified yep. just by who he is, just by him existing. Um, it's only one of the problematic things about Midsummer. Uh, the gender dynamics in Midsummer is not great, the racial dynamics in Midsummer is not great. Mental health dynamics in Midsummer is not great. A lot of the stuff in Midsummer is not great. Um, <laughs> it, does, it does do an interesting job of creating an atmosphere of uncomfortability the entire time. Like, I am uncomfortable the entire film. Yeah. Um, 
I I am not happy the entire film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's I, I, as a woman, as someone with a mental illness, um, as someone who like is in and has had interracial relationships and who have people in my life of, who are non-white that I love and care deeply about and whose experiences I care deeply about. Um, it's just there is so much that seems to be used. Yeah. Um, for plot device. Um, you know, the main character, I feel like the entire film is just trying to get someone, if not her boyfriend, to listen to her. Yeah. Um, her sister, who had a mental illness, uh, turned out to be extremely violent um, <laughs> and lethal, which, again, is statistically far from the case. People with psychiatric disabilities are far more likely to be on the receiving end of abuse and violence than be the ones who are um, giving it. Uh, the two out of the three characters of color were the first to die off. Yep. yep. Um, it was just... It's like, gruesome ways. Gruesome just, like, ways, very yes. gruesome and, like... For display. Yeah. Yeah. And none of the white characters, even the ones who were the American tourists who are also the victims, seemed to give a crap. Yeah. Um, they were like, oh, yeah, her boyfriend just left without her. That's weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like As a woman, are you not, like, <laughs> you're not Triggered right now? <laughs> like, where is the allyship between you two, <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, are you, do you think you're exempt from this because of your whiteness? Hmm. <laughs> I wonder where you got that idea from, you know? I think that maybe and, it was what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someone was telling their story. (laughs) They were writing what they know. And what they know (laughs) is using other people's stories to tell a story about a bad breakup. That still gets me. Like, Ari, I can't with this. Like, that's the part that really gets me is that you're using all these tools, these already very sensitive communities to just, like, perpetuate like, it's just like a slasher film, right? Like, what we're seeing a slasher film in the daylight. It's the same tropes. We still have the final girl. Her name is Danny. Like, she's blonde. Like, I don't know what else. Like, it's so on the nose. All of these right. tropes are, he's just literally doing it. Right. And then people are like, but it's in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> it's light. It's profound. He's like, look at all these white people with flowers in their hair. Yeah. yeah, I was like, well, any person of color, I don't know what Chidi was doing out there. Because any person yeah. of color knows you get a bunch of white people like, frolicking around. That was his topic for his dissertation I don't believe you yeah and I feel like it was like what it was supposed to be this like change up of like as opposed to like the white man that goes to Africa and is like look at these indigenous people he's supposed to be this black character that goes and is like look at Norwegian again I think Norwegian it's a very characters. generous interpretation <laughs> again but yeah like, exactly white people scary for white people I think that's what this film but it wasn't was. even though it was, it was only scary for, scary for everyone it was scary was for anyone of color or anyone who was outside of the norm of what would be interpreted. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the yeah. character of Ruben, the character with ability just felt like an add-on. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was so substanceless, and it was just barely a character. 
Um, and like whether we saw him or not only mattered to the extent that you got one more level of grotesqueness in the film. Yeah. Um, and just, again, just by his, his existing, like his physical form, like, the idea that disability can only come about through inbreeding or sinful lifestyle, et cetera, is still a really harmful stereotype that's still propagated in a lot of parts of the world today. Um, so that's obviously very harmful. And again, the, you know, the idea that people with disabilities, we only see ourselves represented in these moments is really harmful. Yeah. Uh, and we never see ourselves as a love interest. We never see ourselves as the hero. And if we do, it's because of our disability somehow. It's yeah. not, disability isn't just part of who we are. Yeah. Um, it's in spite of. Yeah, it's just, in yeah. spite of, exactly. Yeah, and like when I saw Ruben and when I was looking at it, it was just like, what is it trying to say, right? Like, when it's just using that, it's just like, look, this is, like, we can tell there's something wrong with this community because he exists. Like, that's, li that's literally what it is. Like, right. he exists, therefore. And that's, like, so awful on so many, I was just like, I can't, it's inexcusable. I mean, in his interview, he says that that's exactly why and what he did. He's like, a symbol. I mean, he was just yeah. like, yeah, that's what I did. It was Literally bad. dehumanizing. But he doesn't think it's bad. He no, was just like, that's what I did. And yeah. everyone's like, yeah, that's what's bad. What? White boy yeah. genius, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they think. That's the things that they're doing. Yeah. So a lot of people like it. I don't get it. It upsets me. Yeah, I mean, there's things about Hereditary that are good and bad, right? There's some parts. Again, I still don't feel fully that these stories are all his to tell. Um, but even in that, like, the character of Charlie, right, is like, I feel like he is trying to drive home a specific, like, like reaction, from viewers just from Charlie existing. Like, why? Why? Like, if you're going to use her as that, then don't put anyone else in that role. Like, and also, I also feel like simultaneously, because he is an actress, because in that, in, with Ruben, it is someone who does not look like that, who has lots of makeup on. Um, Charlie in Hereditary, that's, she's just she's an, an actress. Woman, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like he also kind of like put himself on a pedestal with, having her in there because he was just mm -hmm. like look I hired this actress right. and it was just like but <laughs> you hired this to actress to, yeah to, to, to use her and just like to get more reactions from people which is like honestly kind of a little more cruel than when he was just using Ruben who's not even real right like you're literally like look what I did um yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a whole problem. It's I mean, it's it's time. literally exploitation. Like, yeah. there's no other word for it. It's yeah. literally exploitation. Of so many communities. So yeah. don't watch it is what I'm trying to say. That's why we have a whole episode about it. Save your $12. Ugh. We... Yeah, we watched it. Like, I wish we did. We got so screening. excited. It was rude. And then I almost left 12 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then I made it all the way through three hours. Because I believe we do talk about the ratings in our our mental illness episode. Oh yeah, it was the Babadook and 
Christian. Yeah. Well, it was it's <laughs> sorry. It's also like the fact that I think we just rated the films that we watched because mm-hmm. we watched both of them at the same time. But in case uh, you didn't listen to that episode for some reason, or you just want to remember, is that we rated Midsummer as a Christian because it's bad. As in the character Christian. Yeah, from Midsummer, which you know because you just listened to that part. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> this is our first time ever doing something like this. I was like, maybe we'll just take out Midsummer and Kat's like, we can't. <laughs> it's like too important. And I think uh, a friend of mine, Roland, was just like, well, maybe there's other people out there who also are doubting themselves and are like, is this real? And they just need to hear this podcast to also feel validated. And that's fine. And then also if it you know, offers up some discourse for people to email us and be like, you're wrong. Tell us why you think we're wrong. No, because you imagine mm-hmm. hypothetical scenario that might happen. Um, the Internet loses their minds. Yeah. Really, like, everyone likes Midsummer. Yeah. And then they listen to our episode. And they're like, oh, my God, guys, <laughs> is Midsummer not good? Yeah. And then, like, they're losing their they're losing their minds. They're commenting on all of our stuff they're like the ghouls are revolutionary their minds are so far advanced from the general populace let's give them five stars on itunes hey listener in the future did that happen (laughs) (laughs) did that happen are we famous um i don't know man do people love us do they really hate us do we have like hate mail i feel like you've made it if you get hate mail don't do it just because. Like, only if you actually cry. hate us. I could take it. No, I could take it. I would just probably. We do show all of our fan mail to our mom, so keep that in mind. And my mom's pretty mean. So <laughs> I don't know if you, like, we can take hate mail, but I don't know if you can take hate mail from my mom. If you have a reason, I want it to be a good one. Yeah. And I want it to be something that, like, we didn't talk about already or, like, I had even kind of thought of. Yes. Where I'm just like, Whoa. Yeah. Ari Asher, yeah. send us an email. Yes. T- tell us, like, this meaningful story that influenced, yeah. that you have exclusively kept out of interview questions. And you're just like, I'm going to save this for the ghouls. Because clearly, you know, this was so important to them, and it meant something to them. And it's important that they know why I told this story. And yeah. he sends us an email, and we're just like, oh, my God. Someone who's braver than me just tweet at, <laughs> Ari Aster and let them know about it. We're, we have rights to opinions. If we could accept feedback that might be negative, you can't too. Because um, you know I'm immune to it. Yeah. Ari, this is a letter to you. Dear Starry, I write to you Dearest. in this time. I hope it does find you well. Or not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tiniest rain cloud following for always. <laughs> Make you step your toe and step on a Lego. Oh, that's so mean. Don't do that. I don't know why you'd be around Legos, but don't. Um, well, if you have thoughts, remember to email us at theghoulsnextdoor at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. If you're following us, just look up the ghouls next door. Or if you're going to send us hate mail, though, just like, mail that directly to our house. What? I don't know how they're going to get our address, but I'd rather that than on iTunes. Cause then that's oh, well, sad. then just send it to our email. Tell us. You, the- you person <laughs> who, is, who is acting irrationally right now. <laughs> that's, that's like the <laughs> most absurd thing I've ever heard. 
Do you hate us? <laughs> well, here's where you can find us. Directly to our most vulnerable state where we feel safe. Um, you please don't. You hiccups. No, well, no, you gave me hiccups. Okay, you did this. So, uh, listen. <laughs> the whale did this. The whale did that. So, I want to meet someone who like loved it. But and for not like a just good for reason. the sake of like being like, what's the thing? Like edgy. Like edgy, or like the op- like trying to do the opposite of what they yeah, like just an antagonist. An antagonistic. Yeah. yeah, I I want to meet someone who's like has genuine like real good reason. Always, and I mean we're not feedback. always gonna know what the good reason is, so maybe. Well, don't get married. They'll eat your kids. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they'll just grow up and make bad movies. 